welcome to the details of life where you will hear from some of the most interesting minds in sports i am your host yours truly marcus wilson thank you once again for coming and joining me i really appreciate it we're having a good time we got this thing rolling in 2021 it is mlk day one of my favorite holidays of the year hopefully your organization gave you the day off if not tough you need to talk to your hr department about that today's guest we have a trailblazer in equity and race in his own right University of Illinois assistant coach Orlando Antigua was the first Latino to play for the Harlem Globetrotters. That's right. I remember being a kid going and watching the Harlem Globetrotters. It was phenomenal. We'll get into that and some more of his life experiences. But first, let's go ahead and check out our week in review of sports. Starting off with the NBA, guys. Big trade last week was with Harden going to the Nets. First player to ever have a triple-double in his first game. I wonder if it's going to be like a video game where you just get crazy stats, but you don't win the championship. Between Durant, Harden, and maybe Kyrie Irving. We don't know what's going on with Kyrie Irving, but between those three, the stat sheet is going to be phenomenal every night. All three of them are never going to be off the same night. They're too good. I'm interested to see how the chemistry is going to work just like everyone else. We'll see what's going on. Speaking of Kyrie... You know, I want to take a little small take out on this for a second because Kyrie is seen as being problematic. They're talking about trading him already because he's out for personal reasons. You know, he's he was one of the people that said that the earth was flat. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know Kyrie has been a little bit out there at times. However, however, I do want you to know this. And I, and I know people have talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about it today. Kyrie has done some really good things philanthropy wise. Right. I mean, he's a giver. He may do some things that disrupts. You don't like what he does on the basketball court or, or how he thinks shaking Sage when he went back and played the Celtics. I get it. It's weird. But let me just list off a couple of things that Kyrie has done that maybe you do or don't know about. Donated $1.5 million to the WNBA players who decided to opt out during the COVID pandemic, right, to help some of their salaries that weren't being paid. $323,000 to feed in America. Another $250,000 to providing meals in New York City, paid off the tuition of nine students at Lincoln University, one of which was interviewed and said that she was having trouble paying her tuition, wasn't sure how she was going to do it. Her mom had passed away last year. And then all of a sudden get this surprise call that Kyrie Irving is paying off tuition, not only for her, but eight other people, right? And then just today, I get the news that he bought George Floyd's parents a house. So with all that being said, he obviously isn't selfish, right? I mean, you can say a lot of things, but at the end of the day, it seems like his heart is in the right place. Maybe he's at home thinking too much. And then when you put the mic in his face, he's not saying exactly what we want to hear. But his actions are speaking a lot louder than a lot of people that are criticizing him. So I would ask that you take that into consideration next time you're criticizing somebody. But with that being said, moving on with other things in the NBA, Karis LeVert was part of that trade that we talked about with Harden, praying for him, had a mass on his kidney. I'm hoping he gets better. And plus, I'm a Pacers fan, so we need him out there on the court. PG, they call him playoff. Well, he calls himself playoff P. I don't know where he got that from because he hasn't been very good in the playoffs. But Paul George is playing better this year. Happy to see that because he was really struggling. He was talking about being depressed in the bubble. You know, for us normal people, it's hard to imagine making $30, $40 million a year and being depressed. But they say money doesn't solve everything. I know that is a fact. I'm glad to see PG back on his grind. Luka Doncic dropping triple doubles. Brad Beal dropping 30 every other night. The NBA during the season is a very individualistic league. I like a lot of the players waiting to see for the playoffs like we all do to see which teams come together and pull it all together. On to UFC. There was only one major fight recently. Max Holloway dominated. I mean, pummeled Calvin Qatar. That shouldn't even been a main event. Khabib is interested in coming back 
I'm interested in that. And then this upcoming weekend, we finally got Conor McGregor coming back against Dustin Poirier. Should be a good fight for all of you UFC fans. I'll be getting the pay-per-view. Let's tweet, talk about it during the match. Going on to NCAA basketball, Duke and North Carolina are unranked in the same week for the first time since 1982. That's big news, guys. But it's good to see some of the parody in college basketball and seeing other people getting opportunities. Houston in the top 10, Gonzaga number one. Speaking of Gonzaga, I was so disappointed when Gonzaga and Baylor didn't get a chance to play earlier this year. They're one and two. It's undisputed. They're the top two teams in the country. Everyone else is just playing for third right now. Now, whether that will come to fruition in the CWA tournament, we'll see. But right now, it's Gonzaga and Baylor. Not too much more to talk about about that. Locally, I will say, in the rankings, you got Mizzou at number 19, Slew at 25. So, you know, you got all this stuff going on in the state of Missouri. Who's the best team in the state? Uh, the rankings say Mizzou. I wish they would just play. We know that's not going to happen. And then I'm going to give myself a selfless shout out. If you want to see me on college basketball, ESPN Plus, I got a couple games coming up in the next week. January 25th, I'll be on ESPN Plus for Indiana State versus Southern Illinois. January 31st, I'll be on Valpo versus Evansville. And then February 1st, I'll be on for a big time matchup in the MVC between Missouri State and Loyola. Loyola has been dominant. Missouri State's got some really good young players. Isaiah Mosley, Jamonte Black, I coached him. Man, I, I'm, I root for that team. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what Dana Ford is doing in Springfield. Moving on to the NFL, the big story over the weekend, the playoffs, right? The Packers look great. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to go to Lambeau and beat them. They just beat up on the Rams defense. The, the Rams defense was number one in the NFL. They were just breezing through them like they weren't even there. The Bucks beat the Saints. You know, in the battle of the number one and two quarterbacks of all time on a lot of statistical lists. I'm talking like, I'm not saying that, you know, Drew Brees is better than Joe Montana. I'm just saying you look at the stats, yards, all that touchdowns. These two are number one and two and basically everything. Sucks that somebody had to lose, especially with it being Drew Brees and him saying this might be his last game. If it is, I got to give my hats off to this guy. He changed the culture of New Orleans. You look at this tweet that I'm putting up on the screen right now from Tyron Matthew. It just goes to show how much he changed the culture of New Orleans. If this is his last game, tip of the hat off to you, Drew. Thanks for everything you did, not only for the NFL, but for the people in New Orleans through some really hard times like Katrina and some other things that were going on there. Tip of the hat off to you. At the end of the day, though, we do have Rodgers versus Brady in Lambeau. It's hard to go against Rodgers, how he's playing right now. But with neither one of these two teams being one of my favorites, I'm just hoping for a good game. Moving on to the AFC, the Bills look great against the Ravens. Again, I don't know if teams are going to be able to go up to Buffalo in the cold, beat them at home. So it's likely that they could knock off the Chiefs this next round. Speaking of the Chiefs, the Chiefs fans are sitting on eggshells right now because not only did the Browns push them to the edge, but then they had to watch Patrick Mahomes get hurt, and now he's in concussion protocol. They're wondering, is he going to play? realistically, I want to ask you guys, does anybody really think that Patrick Mahomes is not going to play next week without how much money and everything that's on the line? I doubt it. I expect for him to be out there. Really good game. My undercover pick, I'm going with the Bills to make it to the championship, although they will lose again like they did in the 90s when they did four times in a row. But that's neither here nor there, Bills fans. One thing I will say about the Bills fans, you guys really stepped up. They call them Bills Mafia. Donated over $290,000. $290,000 to Lamar Jackson's favorite charity of choice, right? Who does that? I mean, I know he got hurt. They were obviously happy they won, but then they were very philanthropic in the process. We need more of that in today's world. Good job, Bills fans, leading by example. 
Last thing I'll say is this. We got a lot of coaching hirings going on. I want to give a shout out to Robert Salah, the first Muslim head coach in NFL history. With that being said, and with it being MLK Day, I know a lot of you come here to watch sports and you say, hey, I love this because we don't get into race and politics and we need a break from all that. It's MLK Day. I got to bring some equity into this. And this is a perfect time to do so. This year, there are seven coaching openings in the NFL. Looks like none are going to be hired as a head coach other than Robert Salah, who's a Muslim. And let's say he counts. OK. In the last three cycles of head coaching openings over the last three years, there's been 20 head coaching vacancies. One has been filled by a black coach. One, right? So that gives us three in a total of 32 teams in the NFL. We got Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. We got Brian Flores in Miami, uh, who's Afro-Latino. And then we got Ron Rivera, who's Latino. So that gives us three out of 32, which is 9%. Meanwhile, over 70% of the league is African-American. You do the math there. I'm not saying it has to be equal. It has to be a certain percentage to a certain percentage, but I think we all can agree something's out of line here. And if we can at least admit that there's inequities going on, especially on MLK Day, maybe we can we can be part of the change, right? And so as I ask you to be a part of the change, I'm going to show this meme up here for you, and hopefully you will consider being part of the change here in 2021 and make this world a more equitable place for everyone. Lastly, if you like the shirt that I got on, it's a shirt that I make personally. If you like it, check in the notes in the description. I'll leave the link. Buy it for yourself or for others. It's a great way to show your support, right? With that being said, we're going to go ahead and get into today's guest, University of Illinois assistant coach Orlando Antigua. This guy is a monster, man. He's so good at what he does. He's just very charismatic, and he has the background that will just wow you, right? When he starts talking, you just gravitate to him. So one of the stories that he's going to talk about was as a teenager, when he first started playing basketball, he was a late starter, started playing basketball, was shot in the head, not in the arm, not in the hip, not in the thigh, in the head. Bullet was lodged in his head, made it through that, went to University of Pittsburgh, was an excellent college basketball player, had an opportunity to play pro overseas, got an offer from the Harlem Globetrotters, right? Became the first Latino to ever play for the Harlem Globetrotters. So like I said, was a trail, trailblazer in his own right. After the Globetrotters, got into coaching, coached under Jamie Dixon, who's a very good coach at Pitt, moved on, got on with Coach Cal at Memphis for one year, and then left with Coach Cal when he went to UK and was part of the time when Coach Cal was really just putting one and dones in the league like no other. So we talked about that. How is it coaching in that culture of, or every year? It's a, it's a new best player. And all these kids have these aspirations to go to the league after one year, right? So we talked about that. And then obviously we talked about what's going on currently at the University of Illinois, where he's at and expectations for this year and how they can move forward with their hopes of being a national champion, which I know a lot of Illini fans have that goal in mind this year. So without further ado, let's go ahead and chime in with University of Illinois assistant coach Orlando MT. Like I just prefaced, ladies and gentlemen, today we have a special guest, a friend of mine who's a coach at University of Illinois. We're going to learn a lot more about his story right now. Coach Antigua, how you doing? What's up, Marcus? Appreciate yeah. you having me on, brother. First of yes. all, congrats on all the great things and the podcast and everything. It's big time. Hey, man, I'm, I'm growing. I'm growing. I'm trying to find my lane, man. But I appreciate you making the time. I'm going to be efficient. You're in the middle of the season. Got a great team this year. and We'll get to that. But wanted to kind of start back at the beginning. 
I've been in the basketball world, so I had heard this story. But for some people who didn't know about your background, there's a legendary story about you that's bad, but you came out on top. At the age of 15, was caught in a drive-by shooting and was shot in the head. And the bullet was lodged in your brain for some years. So what do you remember about that experience? And how, how has that impacted your life? Yeah, I mean, it was an incident that happened on Halloween at the start of my sophomore year in high school. And uh, I, uh, I got to tell you, Marcus, I'm very, very blessed um, to have the opportunity to still be here. Blessed to have gone through that experience because it changed my perspective on life. Um, and I was an innocent bystander and like a young teen saw a group of guys that were arguing with some, um, some folks got nosy, went over to see what was happening. And I happened to be the one that got shot, um, got shot right here by my left eye. And, uh, fortunately it never, never actually penetrated my skull. It was always in soft tissue and muscle. And so I spent the week in the hospital where the doctors had me set twice to get operated on. And they decided that they would, they would leave it in because in the process of me talking, it was, uh, when I got in the ambulance, I had to chase down an ambulance. That's a whole nother story. Um, it was in the soft tissue and in the process of me talking, it moved. And so, Mm. um, the doctors decided that where it was located, they would do more. They could potentially do more damage going in and trying to take it out than leaving it in and letting the body naturally push it to a place where later it would be able to get extracted. And then, uh, which is what happened six years after that. Uh, I was playing in a in a summer league in Puerto Rico in the pro league, actually with uh, Crubello's dad was on my team <laughs> down there. Um, I thought I got an ear infection from being at the beach and um, went, saw doctors, got antibiotics, all this other stuff, and none of it was working. I finally called my trainer back at Pitt. I was a junior still in in college. I was at Pitt. And they said uh, to get on a plane, get back here. I went, saw the specialist there back at Pitt. Um, And the doctor asked me, have you had any head trauma? I said, yeah, I got shot six years ago. He goes, well. That's the bullet. I could literally stick my finger in my ear and I could feel it. So it had migrated to the soft tissue in my ear canal. And um, I said, well, we're going to take some x-rays. We're going to get an MRI. We're going to try to take it out today. If it's too painful, we'll bring you back. We'll prep you tomorrow morning and we'll go in and operate and take it out. And so we spent about uh, about two hours in there, them trying to poke and prod. And, and they were able to pull it out of my ear canal without any surgery. Man, that's so, a... That's a that's a heck of a story, man. And it doesn't surprise me that you've been successful in your life, because when you go through that type of adversity as a youth, I'm sure it changes your perspective of just being grateful every day. It it does. It really does. You know, one of the biggest things I was afraid of, um, I was a late starter in terms of playing basketball. I played baseball like a lot of Latino kids, a lot of Dominican kids growing up. So I didn't start playing organized basketball until I was 14. Mm. And um, I worked my way till I, I got a scholarship to go to St. Raymond's, playing part with the New York Gauchos, um, St. Raymond's. They were able to pair me up, and I got a scholarship to go. I had just started school, and I just started playing, and I was most afraid of the doctors telling me that I wasn't going to be able to play anymore. Man. And so, um, like I said, I spent the week there. Um, Besides letting this swelling and the, the burning sensation and all that, they put a, I never got stitches or anything. They put a Band-Aid on me. 
and they sent me on my way. Now, there was some side effects to it. I dealt with a lot of migraines and headaches while I had the bullet, and it was sporadic. But besides that, I was able to go back and, 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 and resume normal you know, school activities, and, and it brought a lot of attention, obviously, going through that experience. Um, and I was fortunate to be uh, around some great people at St. Raymond's that, that helped me to, to continue to develop and play. And, you know, yeah. it spurred on my, uh, the start of my career. Yeah, man. So let's go ahead and go into that, which you went on to college, went to Pitt, was first team, all rookie team, had a great college career. Wish we could spend more time with that, but you've done so much. We're going to kind of breeze over that. And afterwards you had opportunity to play professionally. Then you decided to go with the Globetrotters. So what was part of that decision-making instead of going and playing in a professional ball club? And why, why'd you decide to go with the Globetrotters? It was actually timing. So I promised my mom that I would graduate before I tried to do anything unless I was going to get, you know, drafted in the, in, in the, in the draft, um, which I wasn't. I was on the border there. So I, I needed 18 credits to graduate. So I stayed the summer and in the fall to graduate. Oh, man. Uh, in the process of graduating, I get a call. I had some options to go uh, to Australia, go to Spain, potentially. And I get a call from the scouts from the Globetrotters asking if I would be interested in, in trying out. I said, you sure you got the right dude? I mean, you know, I wasn't <laughs> flashy, flamboyant or anything. I played hard. Um, uh, I could play multiple positions. And uh, I enjoyed playing, and they, they noticed that, and that they were looking for, for – they look for guys that can play multiple positions and have personality. And, and so I said, look, I really appreciate the opportunity. Sure, when? They were like, well, it's in December. And it was during finals week. And I said, it's during my finals week, man. I just – 18 credits, I'm busting my hump to try to graduate. I really appreciate the opportunity. I can't. So the guy said, okay. Calls me back the next day said the owner of the team um, really appreciates what you're trying to do. He says, concentrate on, on graduating. And um, we're actually going to be coming in to pit, coming into Pittsburgh for Christmas. Would you be interested in, in then trying out instead of me flying out to Arizona, which where the team was at, at the time, they were coming in to start the U S tour there. Would you be interested in, I said, sure. But I hadn't touched the ball. I wasn't in shape. So it gave me some time, a couple of days, to try to get ready for the tryout. <laughs> right. Um, the owner of the team, by the way, happened to be a guy that's uh, an Illinois, Illinois graduate, uh, Manny Jackson. Okay. And, uh, yep. So he appreciated that. But they uh, had me come out, try out, um, December 23rd, December 24th, December 25th. And on the 26th, I played my first game as a – First Latino Harlem Globetrotter in the history. Years, the Harlem Globetrotters have been amazing audiences with their basketball wizardry and highly skilled play. Well, this is their 75th anniversary, and playing three games in the New York City area this weekend, we got a few of the Harlem Globetrotters with us. Mr. Antigua Hurricane, Orlando Antigua Hurricane. Yep. We've got big, uh, we've got uh, Alex, big ticket Sanders, <laughs> yep. and Curly Boo. Johnson. Ladies and gentlemen, the Harlem Globetrotters. Now, Orlando, yeah. you're from New York. Yes. This is a hometown. You're going to be playing in front of the hometown. What's that feel like? It's going to be great. It's going to be great just to be able to be celebrating our 75th anniversary, our Denny sponsor's 75th anniversary, coming back to the city. And Man, 
that's a, that's amazing. First in, in the history of the Globetrotters, I remember going and seeing the Globetrotters as a kid, man. It's just such a fun experience. Just a kind of off-topic question, but how how much do y'all need to practice in order to be able to do, I mean, because people don't realize to be able to do that, that stuff in sync, how much time do, do, do you put in to be able to put on the show that the Globetrotters put on? So it's very unique, right? My, my role initially was, and as you come in as a rookie, is to play basketball. There's a, there was a segment, the way it was, it was structured, there's a segment of the game where it's strictly basketball, where yeah. Manny wanted to show the fans that, first and foremost, these are high-level athletes that can play basketball. Then there's also the show part of it, the entertainment part of it, which is what the Globetrotters have been historically known for. And so I really, I quickly realized that I was playing early on six, seven minutes a game of competitive basketball, and then I would watch. And I realized that in order to be part of the game and to have longevity, you have to learn how to do that. Right. The veterans on the team only share their wisdom with people that seek it. Mm. If you're okay, just being okay, you'd be okay. And you're short lived and you fuse out. Yeah. But if you want to learn, they'll give you some, they'll give you some nuggets. You got to learn, you dominate that. You got to come back and get more nuggets. And which is why the tradition is if you, if you get with the team more than four years then you become a bona fide globe tribe is what you call. Okay. And it's actually a process of, of you get, uh, you get a ring, um, considering yourself a bona fide globetrotter, but it's lots of hours of work of competing. Um, you're at their venues uh, three and four hours before every day. Yeah. Um, they play a really, really rigorous schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the schedule, man. That's, that's, that's so interesting, man. So after that, 2002, decided to hang it up, get in the coaching. Started as a dobo at Pitt for most of y'all out there, the dobo director of basketball operations. How did you get started at Pitt? I know that was your alma mater, but who gave you your break to get into the game? So uh, Jamie Dixon did um, when Ben Howland um, was at Pitt, um, had a lot of success, got the opportunity to take the head coaching job at UCLA. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Which, you know, he was uh, from the area and he went there. Pitt hired Jamie. Jamie knew that I was back in town. Um, I had been an assistant coach on the high school level then as a way of staying in shape. Uh, but they knew that I was um, living in town and he approached me and asked me if I would be interested in being part of his staff as the Dobo. Um, and the irony was I was in the process of negotiating my relocating fees to join the Globetrotter front office. So I was gonna be in charge of um, recruiting and Latin American sales. Wow. And trying to promote the Globetrotters and helping out with this with the scouting part of evaluating talent. And so all that came to got put on hold. I didn't have to relocate. I didn't have to leave. And I got into uh, the college ranks. Man, that's that's crazy. Mm -hmm. People who don't know, man, you've you've had a chance to coach with some great coaches. Jamie Dixon is a heck of a coach. Yeah. Coach Calipari, which we're about to get into next. And then with Coach Underwood, we see what you're already doing, man. So the, the experience that you've been around is, is amazing. So after you left Pitt, you were there as a dobo, then as an assistant, joined Calipari mm -hmm. at Memphis in 08, and then followed him to Kentucky from 09 to 14. And so a lot of, lot of success in those years. Again, we could probably talk for hours, but I'm, I'm not going to yeah. hold you up all that time. But what I did want to ask is, you know, coming from a place like Pitt, who's not known to have a bunch of one and dones, <clears throat> even at Illinois, you guys have built up a, a team of upperclassmen. 
how hard is it to manage that constant cycle of one and dones like coach Cal was one of the initiators of, I mean, back then, you know, that's what he was known for still kind of somewhat is now, but at Memphis and then, you know, even more so at UK, how difficult is that as an assistant to be able to manage those expectations of those kids of the parents, the egos, and then constantly rebuilding your team sometimes every year with a new best player? Yeah, it, it was, uh, it was really challenging. It was really difficult because at the time nobody else was doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, we had done it at Memphis with Tyreek Evans the one year. Um, Cal had done it the year prior to that with Derrick Rose. Yep. And um, but to the extent that we took on when we got to Kentucky, um, that hadn't been done. You know, right. the first year that we were there, you had five underclassmen go in the first round and that never had been done. Yep. So that started the cycle of trying to have to go and replace the talent level one and quality playing and guys that could fit in and come in, understand the sacrifice, understand the dedication, understand um, what was going to be required to be part of a team with also having the aspirations of wanting to follow the guys that had previously left. And the thing that we would talk to them about, and it takes a lot of, a lot of communication up front is, you know, how hard and difficult it's going to be and how much they do have to sacrifice, how much, before they can think about becoming a pro is they have to become a dominant college player yep. and you can't skip one step without the other. And so understand that, understand how hard that's going to be, understand how, um, how much you're going to have to sacrifice, understand how much you have to be part of a team and how you have to impact winning in order for those things to happen. Yep. Because all of those things have to happen before you can get to that point. Yep. I think what stands out to me, those conversations up front, right? If if the kid gets there and then you start having that conversation, it's too late. It's going to ruin the culture, all that stuff. But being able to have that conversation with him and his parents up front, I'm sure can uh, limit some miscommunications later on down the line. So you did a great job there. Got Got your opportunity to be a head coach at South Florida again. We only have so much time, so we're kind of breezing over an important time of your life. But you were head coach at South Florida and the Dominican national team. So you've had head coaching experience. And now I see what you've done and been able to help bring that experience at Illinois. And a lot of times, like when you're an assistant and you you all you got all the ideas. If I was a head coach, this is what I would do. Right. Then you were the head coach. And now that you're an assistant, how has that affected you and, and your role as an assistant and how you look at it? Well, it, it, it helped me tremendously understand the demands of that seat. And until you sit in that seat and experience it, you really have no perspective. Rightfully so, because right. you've never sat in the seat. You don't understand how much is coming uh, at the head coach and kind of things, the decisions have to be made on a daily basis. Um, usually, the majority of the time is dealing with issues and dealing with problems and decisions yeah. have to be made. So... As someone that's had that experience, my job is to try to help take things off of that plate um, to make, you know, Coach Underwood's job that much more easier. And as well, share my experience with the other assistants to help them understand that that's kind of a a big part of our role, Um, not only to to develop our kids, not only to go out and recruit, but also to help facilitate a culture of winning, which starts with the staff. And now you're here at Illinois doing a great job. Those first couple of years, man, it was rough. I was wondering if y'all was going to make it. But now 
Everybody sees what you're doing. The team, you can see, is bought into the culture. It's just obvious. From a fan's point of view, though, I think for me, like, the the COVID is just disrupting everything, right? Yeah. I remember I was so excited to watch uh, Gonzaga play Baylor that one week, one weekend, and then one and two, and then it gets canceled, right? And so for a fan, it's like, oh, well, I got to make other plans. You know, I wanted to ask you as, as an assistant, what's this year been like? getting the game canceled the day before the day of the game or having to trying to find a new team to schedule and then developing a scout in two days that you weren't even planning on doing. How has that uh, impacted from an assistant coach point of view, uh, something that the common fan may not even realize that COVID is bringing uh, on you guys? Well, you know, one of the things, Marcus, that's been, that's been unique about this year is that uh, dealing with the pandemic is that nothing is you can't plan for anything right like you traditionally have or prepared like you traditionally have you literally have to come in day by day preparing for that day um which kind of you know it's like life you, you have today to make the most of and to try to prepare to do the best you can for this day to get ready if you get the opportunity for the next day yeah. so um it's hard but we're fortunate to be having an opportunity to be dealing with that rather than what so many across the country are dealing with with loss of jobs, loss of family members, dealing with the illnesses. And, um, you know, we're blessed to, to be a part of a university that has leadership that's allowed us and has protected our kids and the staff to get tested twice daily yeah. um, to just to be uh, be in a position that um, we can go out and try to prepare for games. Yeah. Our kids have been phenomenal in terms of the discipline that they've needed to have to avoid them getting in contact with the virus so that it affects and it, and it, it infiltrates our team to put us in a situation where we're shutting down. Brad talked from the beginning that, you know, the teams that win the COVID game will have a great opportunity to go in the, a, a, a Big Ten championship. Yeah. And that's kind of been our, our, our focus because we've talked about this ahead of time. Again, managing their expectations and understanding that, you know, there's going to be some challenges. Um, we're able to move on. And, yeah, you get you get ticked off. We put tons of hours trying to prep for that. But you don't have enough – you don't have the luxury of feeling that way. you got to move on to the next game. you got to start preparing for that uh, just a little sooner. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I, I saw this in football. I'm not going to call any names out because I'm not trying to make any enemies on here. But – I saw teams that had high expectations coming into the year. They would start off with maybe a top 10 team. And next thing you know, they're 0-5. And other teams are just going on as normal. And what I identified, and this is, I'm sure there's more to it, but, man, the teams that have senior leadership, upperclassmen leadership, and, and already have their culture set, their culture set didn't have as many issues dealing with COVID. Now, obviously that doesn't go for everybody, but man, when right. the culture set of next man up, no excuses, we before me, those types of things. Yeah. And the seniors know it, the juniors know it, everyone knows it. So now this new obstacle of getting the game canceled is like next man up, next thing up. What, what's the next thing I got to do? I made a mistake. I didn't close out well down here. What's the thing I got to do on the other end of the court? You see the teams that are coached well like that. Y'all culture is built on that, so it doesn't surprise me that you've been able to. And that, this, and that, and that speaks that speaks obviously to the leadership. That speaks to to the, yeah. the conversations that you know that our AD has had um, with our student athletes. It's the conversation that Brad has had with our particular team, and taking the the pandemic serious. Yeah, 
being educated enough to communicate that and challenging our team, you know, to, to try to do the best they can, you know, yep, yep. and that's all we can ask. Yeah. That's all you can ask. So I'm a close up with one more question about the team. Uh, you guys were preseason top 10, even top five in some polls, a lot of expectations, definitely a national championship contender. What, what are one or two things that you think that the team needs to do better or to do more consistently in order to get the most out of everybody and, and get that national championship that you, you're setting out to get? Um, I think I think we've done a lot of good things. Obviously, we're 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 number one in the Big Ten defensively. We've got to continue to be that. Um, that allows us to get out in transition to be able to play uh, the way we want to play in terms of scoring in the first seven seconds uh, of the shot clock and play fast. And uh, we got to continue to do that. We got to continue to be a very, really really aggressive on the offensive glass. And um, I think we we've had. Uh, some games where we've been really, really good at that, and some games where we haven't. That's an area we got to continue to get better at, uh, and we got to continue to take care of the ball and and make free throws and make free throws. I think we yeah. put all those things together it gives us an opportunity to to attack our first goal, which is to try to win a Big Ten championship. Yeah. We understand if you can win a Big Ten championship in the toughest conference in the country, um, it puts you in a great position to go win a national championship, and so. You know, we talk about winning the COVID game and we talk about trying to win the Big Ten championship. And that's the challenge that we put to our to our guys um, every day and the challenge that they have as a team taken on. Yeah, you got all the pieces. I mean, when I look at teams, you got to be able to win in different ways. So you, you all can play <laughs> fast. You can play half court. Yeah. Great defensive team. You got guys you can run the offense. In my opinion, you always need one or two guys that those days when the offense ain't working, you can just put the ball in their hands and let them get it. You got that with IO, you got in, interior defense. So you got all the pieces. It's just a matter of pulling it all together, getting hot at the right time. And uh, if there's somebody that can do it, I got confidence in you and what, what you guys are doing there. You got a great program. So appreciate you making the time to come on coach and I'm rooting for you and best of luck to you for the rest of the year. Appreciate you, man. And uh, keep doing what you've been doing, brother. Appreciate it, man. Have a good day. Peace. Yeah. Thank you, Coach O, for coming on today. I really appreciate it and sharing that story, which is a remarkable story. It's easy to see why you're successful, and it's easy to see why you got so many friends that root for you. I'm rooting for you, for your brother. Keep it going, and best of luck in all you do in future endeavors. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that about wraps it up for us in this week of the details of life. You know, I need you to like, subscribe, and share. I got a new job, so it's been throwing my release date off. I was supposed to do it every Tuesday. Last week, it was a little late because... Work got in the way. And then this week I'm dropping it on MLK Day because I wanted it to be special. So in order for you to know when it's dropping, you got to subscribe. So please like, subscribe, and share with what we got going on here. I really think it's good. Need your support to continue growing. And we continue giving you the details of, of, of how all these people are successful. Because you know what? That's right. Greatness is in the details, guys. Continue to like, subscribe, and share. Like I said, have a blessed week. Happy MLK Day. See you next week. Peace.